You're listening to The Virtuous Mind, a podcast from Providence Christian College that discusses all facets of the human experience and the liberal arts from a biblical worldview. I'm your host, Dr. David E. Alexander. Why do things seem so hopeless? Perhaps you found yourself asking this question more frequently in recent years. These are, of course, trying times. The educational and spiritual condition of the United States and Western civilization as a whole is lamentable. And in man's fallenness, it can be tempting, even for Christians who still believe in God's sovereignty, to struggle with hope. But such despair can and should be challenged by frequent reminders of the beauty of the gospel, the power of our God and his word, and the fact that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is victorious over sin and death. While the Holy Spirit and scripture are the ultimate sources of comfort for the ailing soul, In God's providence, we can also find beautiful reminders in other areas of God's revelation of the hope that can be found in Christ. One such reminder comes unexpectedly in the form of Cormac McCarthy's famous novel, The Road. Set in a post-apocalyptic era, The Road is a fictional work that explores love, hope, and meaning from what seems to be a godless perspective. How might reflection and meditation on McCarthy's novel remind Christians about the power, beauty, and richness of the gospel? On today's episode, I interview Professor Peter Uwaro, pastor and lecturer in English at Providence Christian College. Uwaro's thoughtful and penetrating analysis of hope and other themes should not only stimulate believers to read or reread McCarthy's The Road, but should cause us all to take more seriously God's diverse means of revealing great truths and of reminding us of the uniqueness and depth of His grace. Pete, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. For those who maybe have a little bit of distance between them and the book or the movie, or for those who hopefully, on the basis of this conversation, will want to get back to it, give us a little bit of the lay of the land, what's going on in the road, and what are some of these themes that you see that might actually be pertinent for us to think about right now? The Road is a post-apocalyptic novel. It seems, uh, though it's never said explicitly, you can uh, discern that it's set in the southeastern United States, and you have an unnamed man and his son, also unnamed, and they are traveling south, and that's where the uh, novel gets its name, The Road. And as they travel south, they encounter some of the uh, darkest, bleakest landscapes and the darkest, uh, most evil people imaginable uh, on their trip down the road. The man has a persistent cough that worsens, and so it's obvious to him that he's dying. And so he's headed down the road, but he also is aware that his son will finish a journey that, that he himself will not be able to. So why, out of all of the McCarthy books, why the road? Why is this perhaps relevant for this moment? 
I think with the events of the last three years, a, a global pandemic, racial unrest, political uh, infighting, and uh, a real turn in our culture into a dark place, it, it leads me to think, and I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I think I think pastorally, hopefully, stripped away of the comforts and niceties and luxuries of life, what is left that's really worth living for? Mm. And as Christians, we have a, a profound but also obvious answer to that question. But if you're not a Christian or if you're someone who is struggling of whether to believe or not, it's a, it's a profoundly uh, important question that you are answering whether or not you, you are uh, aware of whether you're answering that question. I think that the road has a, a thread, a faint thread, but a real thread of hope. Now, as Christians, we would agree with those things that are worth living for, yet we would want a little bit more than McCarthy portrays as well. I'm excited about this conversation. I think the road has been incredibly popular and even formative for various people. So how is this relevant for us today? The Road is uh, it's a great work of literature, but it's a popular work of literature. It's uh, accessible to, uh, I'd say, most readers. I think the greatest value of literature is that it allows us to see wisdom, to see other people's experience, other people's worldviews. The value of that is the more perspectives I have on life, the greater ability I have to choose what is the good life, what is the right mm. way to live. And particularly for McCarthy, I find uh, studying philosophers, I find it often necessary and good and beautiful at times, but difficult to translate that to the life that I go out and then live. And mm. so what literature does for me and in the hands of a, a great writer is they'll put in the characters uh, uh, living out of a particular philosophical concept, and uh, you see philosophy played out in addition to the study of philosophy once you have the concepts, the terms, the broad categories. Another useful thing is to see those philosophical systems played out in characters in an accessible way that the philosophers and theologians might, uh, might not be able to answer. In the past, and maybe the, the fairly distant past, it seemed like we had incredible authors of fiction who were able to convey various aspects of a Christian world and life view. And you can sort of think about this in, in the early modern period, even the late modern period, a bunch of Christian authors who were able to give us deep insight into the human condition, deep insight into various aspects of God's creation and of God himself through their fictional writing, exploring aspects that maybe the philosophers are exploring, but they're exploring in very abstract prose, difficult to sort of see how it connects. And nowadays, the authors that are popping in my head giving a kind of concrete realization to these very abstract philosophical notions are primarily atheistic. I can't think of any really deep Christian fiction writers who are doing the same sort of thing. McCarthy, I think, is also one of these atheist writers who's giving voice, concretizing some atheist worldviews in really powerful ways. So what do you think we can learn from McCarthy and especially The Road about us, about the world? Uh, first of all, uh, McCarthy was raised in parochial schools, so he has a uh, Catholic mm. uh, worldview uh, down to the bones. Mm. He has a Catholic worldview in some ways. 
he did one very brief uh, television interview with Oprah. She asked him, so where do you land on the whole God thing? The answer he gave was, depends on which day you ask me. Mm. And so I would say the tone of many of his books is dark. There is an abiding uh, nihilism. Some listeners might be familiar with the term absurdism, which is a happier nihilism in some ways. While he does possess an atheistic worldview in some ways, he also takes the God question uh, seriously. Mm -hmm. So in, in that way, he's taking Christian symbols and sometimes subverting them, sometimes utilizing them. That's one discussion, but to actually answer what you asked, there is a, a common grace element where whether someone is a believer in Jesus Christ or not, he or she possesses truth. And so there's wisdom to be gained from uh, any worldview uh, if we would look hard enough. And then also when uh, something that is antichrist, something that directly contradicts a benevolent God or a, or a sovereign God or some aspect of Christian morality, there's just as much for Christians to learn there as well as we see uh, literature that contradicts our worldview. Again, that is a benefit of literature is to think through those criticisms of Christianity and how Christ does provide sufficient answers. Uh, so we've got these two main characters, post-apocalyptic. McCarthy never states what caused the apocalypse, so the reader is left to wonder, was this a uh, natural disaster or was this a, uh, a man-made mm. disaster? Uh, I'll just go ahead and add my footnote in. I think the reason he does that is I don't think he wants his true theme of the story clouded by some sort of parable or morality tale about either uh, environmentalism or war. I think he just sets that, that there was an apocalypse and he doesn't tell us why, and I think that that that's intentional. Uh, so we've got these two main characters. They're unnamed. I've always been struck by the phenomena of naming and not naming. When names are used, I think we should pay attention. When names are not used, we should be paying attention. Should we be paying attention to the fact that McCarthy doesn't name the two main characters in the story? It's extremely significant. I, I agree with you. And I think that he's saying that these people have lost their identity. And in the novel, Interesting. he is on the, the man is on a bridge and he pulls out his wallet. And uh, rather than just setting his wallet on the bridge, McCarthy has the man pull out his wallet and then pick out each element of his wallet and set it on the bridge. And then they keep on going down the road. He's leaving his identity behind. They are in a, uh, a new world and their old identity uh, is completely irrelevant. And you said they're traveling south. Sort of maybe obvious, uh, but maybe worth meditating on. Why traveling south? There is a practical reason stated, and then there is a uh, another reason that's hinted at. Now, the practical reason is that winter is coming and that it's warmer south. Yeah. But on a certain occasion, the man says to the boy, everything depends on reaching the coast. Then a sentence later, it says, the man knows that that's not the case. Mm. And so there's this stated eschatology. There's this stated hope. There's this stated goal. Part of the man's hope is false. And the false hope is just given, maybe even to, to give himself hope. We are hope-shaped creatures. We need a why to bear with the brutal how of our lives. This man, it seems to be just setting out an artificial going down the road, uh, moving forward, uh, moving toward nothing, probably, but you, you're moving. And so uh, a nihilist, uh, someone who believes in nothing, might say, uh, stand there and die or head down the road. But 
whatever you find down the road is going to be as meaningless as where you are. Mm. A Christian would say a new creation, redemption, heaven is at the end of the road, mm. and that's why we have hope. But an absurdist would try to work their way uh, between those two poles of a worldview and say, you know what? Look at an absurd world that is cold and dark and bleak, but yet I have the sense that there should be a meaning. How do I negotiate that tension? Well, I walk down the road absurdly toward the coast, south, yes, because it's warm, but because there just might be something out there worth living for. And so the the father has this sort of awareness that there really is no hope here. There is no final destination. He doesn't convey that to his son. Now, his son is young. I don't know, but I, I find the relationship between the father and the son incredibly beautiful in some ways, but also, I think, incredibly depressing in other ways. And I think I agree with you, and that's one of the reasons I love the novel. Now, one thing that's very interesting to me about the father-son relationship is what the man says explicitly to his son two times in the novel. He says, you're my warrant. God gave you to me. Mm. And then he repeats that God gave me the task of protecting you and caring for you. And he seems to mean that. He even says something like, you are the word of God, if anything is. If God ever spoke. If God, yeah, if God ever spoke, directed to his son. So I remember reading that and thinking, whoa, what's going on here? Well, I think that clearly the boy is a Christ figure. I've counted over a dozen references either to the boy either being directly a Christ figure or at the very least a sacramental theology. So as you said, the, the boy is the word of God if, if God ever spoke. And he's come down into the world to save it or to improve upon it. Now, here is a perfectly ironic uh, situation that McCarthy creates. Who should know about Christian love and goodness and morality? Well, it's the people who inhabited the world of, of light and love and happiness. This boy has only lived in this post-apocalyptic world where there's no God, or at least the landscape looks as if there's no God. There's no morality. We have uh, cannibals and child killers, and everyone is after their food. And yet, more than anyone, far more than even his father, the boy is always concerned with goodness. Yeah. In fact, he explicitly asks his dad three times, are we the good guys? When he sees strangers, he says, are they the good guys? When he doesn't see anyone, he says, where are the good guys? And then McCarthy uses this image that I think is, is getting at very much the same thing, but I think in a deeper way, we're carrying the fire. And so that is, I think, the existential, the philosophical, the theological rationale for the road. So I would say that the, the practical reason for the road, the hope, is to get warmer, to go south because it's warmer. But the existential, the philosophical, the theological reason is this boy is a Christ. He's from another world, and he's come to bring goodness and light and beauty and the, the fire of the presence of God into the darkness and bleakness of this world. That's the eschatological hope of a Christian is for a Christ who can come down into the bleakest of landscapes. And I think McCarthy is very much calling to mind in a typological way the wilderness wandering of God's Old Testament people and the 40 days and 40 nights wilderness wandering of the Christ. Mm. 
and they're in this barrenness, but they have a purpose to carry the fire, to, to be the good guys, to give food to people along the way, to not be cannibals. It's almost humorous that that is the definition of a good <laughs> person. But in this godlessness, the fact that they're not cannibals is part of what makes them the good guys. McCarthy, as you mentioned, is very, a lot of his books are very, very dark. The Road kind of seems actually less dark than some of them, but still incredibly dark. I mean, the whole scene is gray. And he's got this, as you mentioned, right, this sort of atheistic, godless sort of worlds are presented, it seems to me, in a lot of his works. We have other authors that do this too, right, more from maybe a philosophical or scientific perspective, the so-called new atheists from maybe a decade ago. They kind of rose to fame, and I think their fame has waned a bit of late. Why sort of think maybe McCarthy is a better interlocutor for Christians than representatives from that new atheist trend? That's a great uh, point and a great question. I am just terribly suspicious of the optimism of the new atheist. Mm. And what I mean by the optimism is they uh, give so little credence to Christian morality, Christian goodness. In fact, they have a, a seething hatred of uh, most of Christian morality, and yet will turn around and espouse a treatment toward fellow humans that only arose because of Judeo-Christian mm, values. Yeah, In other yeah. words, they will freely borrow from Christian, Judeo-Christian morality, yet acts away at, at the roots of all Christian morality. Yeah. And then what you're left with is an optimism that I find uh, incredibly intellectually offensive, unwarranted, laughable. And when I see a man like McCarthy honestly portray what a world without God, without Judeo-Christian morality as a real cultural touchstone, I appreciate the honesty yeah. of, of the bleakness. And yeah. I don't think it's pessimistic. There, there is, There's hope implied, even said explicitly a little bit. Um, but I just, to put the answer simply, I appreciate how realistically he portrays life without Christ. But I, yeah, I, I think you're totally right. The hope that McCarthy gives us seems thin to me. I also don't want to dismiss it too quickly and lose something valuable in what he's giving us, the love relationship, all of these sorts of things. It seems to me Christianity actually does capture them in ways that are far deeper than even many, I think, Christians are comfortable with acknowledging. What's the relationship there, you think, between what McCarthy's giving us and what we really do find in Christ? Do we see a common grace wisdom that all people are capable of and we can learn from in McCarthy? I sure do. Yeah. Are uh, some of the things that he mentions, particularly love for your child and carrying the fire or being good in, in a world that is evil, are those things good and wonderful and should fill Christians with hope? Yes. Yeah. But is it the Christian answer? No, it's not. And so he, I think he falls far short of a, a Christian hope. And a Christian hope is simply put that Christ has already come and established his kingdom. And so it is a real and present and abiding reality that we already have one foot in eternity, one foot in the future. But just as real on that tension is there's a not yet aspect to the coming of Christ, and that is that is coming in the future. And so guaranteed to all believers is the, the since the wages of sin is death, sin has been dealt with, 
One day we will not live in the presence of sin. Since we do not live in the presence of sin, we will not live in the presence of sin's wages. We'll be beyond the veil of tears, the existence of the fall and of death. And so a Christian looks at that and says, okay, I have just a few years. I have a vapor. I have just moments to spend of this life. The Apostle Peter in 2 Peter, he knows he's going to die, and he has to write his final words to a church, and he says, in light of these things, what kind of people ought we to be? We have just a few seconds left in this life. Our hope has been secured by Christ. There is no question we will live in the new creation beyond pain and beyond sadness. And so, given that that is our hope, how does that work back into our present? In 1 Peter, it says, we're born again into a living hope, a hope that is future, but that future hope, as C.S. Lewis said, we are hope-shaped creatures. The future hope works its way back into our present. So when we know that our future is glory with Christ, how ought we to live today? And I think that is far deeper and far more profound than than McCarthy's reasons for hope. Yeah. Uh, press on because it's warmer in the South. Press on because you love your son. Well, the Bible tells us everyone dies or or we die. Mm. Uh, we will lose our kids or our kids will, will lose us. Uh, McCarthy says to, to, to carry the fire, to, to, to bring goodness in, in a world. Well, the, the Bible reveals to us that we are unable to do that despite our best efforts. And actually, the Bible says some of our goodness is, is the problem. It seems to me that part of the Christian story that the world is actually not that way. Goodness is fundamental and badness is parasitic upon goodness. In my pre-Christian days and even in my post-Christian days, when I am uh, perhaps in the midst of despair or maybe in the midst of sin, we tend to see in some ways the negative, the badness is more real and the goodness is, is less real. C.S. Lewis talks about this, I think, in the Screwtape Letters. The demons want to convince the patient that, no, no, the negative is the real stuff. And these feelings of, you know, sublimity and the, you know, connections with the numinous and all of these sorts of things, that's fake. You know, that's you sort of living this Pollyannish type of world. It's, you know, death and these sorts of things are, are fundamentally real. I, I do kind of get that from McCarthy. Am I wrong? Boy, those are great insights and a great question. In an interview, a uh, literary critic asked him a similar question. Now, this was, I think, in the late 80s, so his answer might have changed. But uh, basically, why, why all the darkness? Why, you know, isn't light, uh, isn't light at least a, a part of our world that you, that you don't portray in your novels very often? And he said that he couldn't think of anything worth writing about other than death. Mm. I don't obviously know the man. I've never met the man. It's not uh, fair to psychologize people. But when I hear someone say that, I feel like I'm listening to someone who hasn't dealt with their own mortality when they can make all of life a living death. Is death central to Christianity? Uh, sure. But like you said, the light envelops the darkness. Mm. Christ wins. Mm. The Bible does not present to us a dualist worldview where there's evil and there's good and they're 50-50 they're and eventually the, the good might win out. No, the world, the flesh, and the devil are no match for Jesus, and they're no match for Jesus's people. We are new creations, and so I appreciate the honesty of the bleakness of a world without God, but I'm not attracted to it, and for myself, I'm hoping for better, and any readers of McCarthy, I'm hoping for far better. 
I, I think, again, harping on a theme that you brought up a number of times, one of the real benefits here is, A, I think we can empathize. McCarthy and other really great authors allow me to see the world through eyes that I no longer see the world through. And this can give us, a, I think, an opportunity to witness, right? An opportunity to speak this unbelievable story that we have in Scripture that God is the author, the ultimate author of. And I think that the beauty of Christ is seen in contrast with the darkness of the world, the flesh, and the mm. devil. Real art looks at the darkness, but the darkness does not overwhelm the light. Mm. And so the light and the glory of Christ is in what he came to defeat, the evil one, the spirit of the darkness of the air, the, the ruler of this world, the thrones and principalities, our culture. What is beautiful is that Christ has defeated that darkness, and so the darkness actually enhances mm. the beauty and the light of Christ. You've been listening to The Virtuous Mind, a podcast from Providence Christian College. The mission of Providence Christian College as a reformed Christian institution is to equip students to be firmly grounded in biblical truth thoroughly educated in the liberal arts, and fully engaged in their church, their community, and the world for the glory of God and for service to humanity. We'd love to have you visit our campus. Providence Christian College is now accepting applications for the upcoming semester. Contact an admissions counselor to learn more. Visit providencecc.edu.